Father, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your love, for your faithfulness, for your tender mercies. Your mercies are new every morning. We thank you, Father God, that you have not rewarded us according to our iniquities. So we thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Father God, for the privilege of being able to come into the presence of the creator of the universe, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-present one. We can come boldly, your word says. What a privilege. As we do so this morning, we commit this time, we commit your people, we commit this message, and I commit myself unto you. We pray that your word would go forth, your word and your word alone. The purpose wherewith it was sent will be accomplished for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And before I begin, I would like to offer my apologies for not beginning, as I had promised, the study in the book of James. I pray that the Lord would give me the opportunity to do that when I I'm given the opportunity to speak again, but this this morning, I feel led to share from a particular text that the Lord has laid on my heart this morning. I want to share with my family, my family here at Calvary Bible Church, something that I feel the Lord has challenged me with, and I believe he wants me to share with you. Recently, I found a sign in my office that had this text, a text I'm going to be sharing with you this morning, and it had my name at the top. And it said, Craig, steadfast one. First Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all you do be done with love. All through that, after I had finished, I came across that verse. As I was doing my journaling, I would always write that verse down to remind and put it before me. When I went out this morning, I wanted to remind myself, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, and let everything that I do be done in love. This passage challenges me as a father, as a worker, as a husband, as a friend, And I want to use the example or the image of a soldier. A person who has the duty and has been placed on the wall to watch. 
to stand fast, to be steadfast, firm, alert, courageous, reliable, faithful, and true to the end. To stand at his post, no matter what, and do the task he has been given to do. That is the challenge I believe the Lord challenged me with. And this morning, I want to challenge us, my family here at Calvary Bible. But let's start by putting this verse in context. First Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. And Corinth was known to be a church that had some issues. Corinth as a place was known to be a place that had issues with immorality. The worship of Aphrodite encouraged prostitution in the name of religion. And it was so widely known for its immorality that the Greek word to Corinthianize came to mean to practice sexual immorality. Now I want you to look at that as the backdrop for the church at Corinth. You're living in a town that is known for sexual immorality, that is known for this practice. And it is this, it is this drab backdrop that Paul writes to the church. Persons had come to Paul and informed him that there were issues in the church, things that were occurring, and Paul wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians, to address these issues and give some instructions. Now, some of the issues in Corinthian church may sound familiar to you. You may have read about them in the paper. You may have heard of them, such as divisions in the church. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. Me, I, I, I like Cephas. But you know, I am with none of them. I'm actually with Christ. Sexual immorality and sexual immorality to the point that it does not even exist among the Gentiles. Things that are happening in the church that the sinners don't even do. Lawsuits, brothers taking brothers to court in front of the Gentiles. Concerns with marriage, concerns with being considerate of others and their situations. You know, I got a right to do what I want to do. I don't have to consider what my brother's concerns and issues are. Order in the church between Christ, the man, the woman. Paul had to address these issues because these were problems. Problems dealing with the Lord's Supper. People were actually coming in and eating and drinking unworthily. And he had to challenge them. Listen, when you come to partake of the Lord's Supper, you need to make sure that you're right. I mean, does it sound familiar today? Could this be happening in our churches, in our society today? Spiritual gifts. He had to correct the issues because people were abusing them. Talking about the resurrection. What was it all about? And then finally, his final conclusion. But do these things sound familiar? Could they be happening here? Now, what are we to do? Now let's look again at the text. And I want to ask you a question. When I looked at this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 
I found it interesting. Paul dropped this right in the middle of his conclusion. He talks about the collection of the saints in verse 1. He talks about um, issues dealing with Macedonia. He talks about Apollos. He talks about Timothy. And then right after he talks about Apollos in verse 12, he just blurts out, out of nowhere, be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Faith. Act like men. Be strong. And let all you do be done with love. And then he continues on again. Now I urge you, brethren, to follow the household of Stephanus and there with the first fruits of a... I said, why would, why would Paul just, just drop this command smack dab in the middle of seemingly nowhere? I believe this was Paul's final reminder. He said, listen, I've, I've gone through all of 1 Corinthians. And I've talked to you about all these issues and trying to put all these things in order. And as I have done this, I want to once more just remind you, you you need to watch. You need to be on guard. Stand fast. You need to be brave. The challenges are going to come. You need to be strong. And you need to do everything you do in the context of love. Actually, Every word in that text are commands. Not suggestions, but commands. Watch, stand fast, be brave, be strong, do it in love. Every one is a command. And these commands, and, and here I go into the school stuff now. They are in the present tense, the active voice, and the imperative mood. You know, you got to put these things and make it sound important. But this is not what is important. The Word of God. It's an action that is to be done by the subject. This is what we are supposed to do. Not other people. This is us. We are supposed to be watching. We are supposed to be strong. This is the active voice. The subject is doing the action. It is in the present tense. It is an action that is going on right now. It's something that is to be habitually performed. A state that currently exists. In other words, this, these are the conditions that we should be in right now. Not tomorrow, not later on, but right now. This is the condition we should be in. We should be like a soldier standing on a wall right now, alert. Watching, being brave, being strong. It is in the imperative mood, as I said. It's at a command. And all of step one, and it's, it's amazing, the one that is not like all the others, is so for a reason. This is a command to us as believers that here and now, these words, these actions are what we are to be doing. It's supposed to be the norm. And Paul was telling it to the Corinthians, but I believe the Lord is telling it to us, especially today. Now, consider the circumstances. Consider the conditions we find our churches in today. Consider the circumstances we find our world in today and the things that we are confronting on a daily basis. The enemy... Right now, he's not even being subtle. He's being blatant. 
He doesn't care what you think or how you feel. He's not concerned with what it means to you. Every time I read and I see an article, it's just amazing. A baker decided not to bake a cake for a homosexual couple's wedding. They took the baker to court. And they won. Don't I have any rights? No. I want you to bake it, and you will. And you don't have the right to say no on the grounds of who you are and what you believe. Watch. Stand fast. Be brave. Be strong. The enemy is coming. The text says, the first word we're going to look at, let's look at our first word, watch. What does that mean? Watch. It doesn't mean to just look with your eyes open. I wonder what's going on over there. No, it means to keep awake. Don't go to sleep. Be alert. Give strict attention to be on guard. Never let your guard down. A soldier is always ready. He's always on the alert. What does it mean? A soldier should never be caught sleeping at his post. Never should you be seen as there. Because at the very time you nod, the enemy comes. Watch. Acts 20, 29 through 31 gives an example. For this Know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves will men rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember, for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day. Whatever situation you are in, you need to be on guard. You need to be alert. You need to be watching. I think particularly of those, those of us in leadership. The text says that they will come in. Wolves, savage wolves, not sparing the flock. We need to be on guard. Watch and remember what was told us. Whatever capacity you find yourself in, as I said, father, husband, wife, teacher, preacher, on the job, in school, you need to be on your guard. You need to be alert. You need to be aware. The word in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant. Another watch, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That word vigilant means to be watchful, be on the alert. Don't go to sleep. You think the enemy is going to say to you, you know what? I appreciate it. You're taking a break right now. You're tired. You know, it's been rough, you know. Just take it easy. Don't worry about the children watching on TV. Don't be vigilant in what's going on over there. Don't be aware of what's going on over here. Just take it easy because you know what? I understand. <laughs> the enemy doesn't understand. He knows. He's aware. And so we need to be aware. We can't not be vigilant. 
We need to be aware of what's going on around us. Keep a watch over ourselves, our church, our families, our children, our brothers and sisters in Christ. You can't sleep on this. You, this is this is your norm to be awake. And it's not a paranoia. You're not looking for demons under every rock. But you need to be aware, awake, alert to what's going on around you. Don't take anything for granted. Our enemy is subtle. Teaching, music, movies, relationships. You've got to be aware. My wife and I have been involved in the Truth Project again. We've, we've, we've been trying to watch the Truth Project now for a while. And it's just amazing as, I, as we were going through it how subtle our enemy could be. Things that we just swallow and take for granted. But he is in that encapsulated era. And we just go down the garden path, believing it. Why well, that sounds so logical, eh? That makes so much sense. But does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with the standard? And as a soldier, you've got to be aware. You've got to watch. You've got to stand fast in the faith. Standing firm. Stay true to be persistent, to persevere. A soldier is to stand firm at his post. No matter what, as a soldier, you are to do what God's word says. That is your job. That is your task. You stick to that task. You stick to that job no matter what. You stand firm. You stand fast. See, it is a picture of a soldier standing fast against the onslaught of an enemy. He refuses to give ground, no matter what the pressure, the strength of the attack. He does not flinch. He is not unstable. He is never defeated. The Christian believer is to stay true, no matter what the trial. To stay true, no matter what the pressure or temptation. To stay true, no matter what the influence, the offer, no matter what. We as soldiers in God's army are to stay true, to stand firm, to not move. They will tempt you. They will try you. They will push you. They will offer it to you. But you have to say, you know what? I know who I am. I will stand fast. Not move. It is so easy. It is so easy. You go on the job and, well, you know, things tough, you know. Things hard at BC and putting all kind of pressure on you and you bossing out. Now, now, you know, this, this, this promotion is available, but we can need you to, to do some stuff. Well, you know, the wife would like, like to hear me come home and say I get a promotion, you know. Wait a minute. Who am I? I am a child of the living God. No. As a soldier, I stand fast. Unmovable. No matter what the pressure. Standing fast, even in the midst of false teaching, in the midst of error. Because that's coming to you as well. To know and hear these things, and, and they're going to come and say, you know what? You need to be tolerant. You, you need to be tolerant, man. What's, what's your problem? You, you, you need to understand. 
or as, as someone has written recently when I got an email about the third way. The Southern Baptists now are having a challenge with regard to the issue of homosexuality. Some say, you know, the Bible says it's wrong, and some say the Bible says it's, it isn't. It is, it isn't. But now they found a third way. A third way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. One way. God's way. That's the way we do it. Ephesians says in 4.14 that we no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in cunning craft, craftiness and deceitful plotting. We need to be firm in our stand, not being shaken by these funny doctrines. Stand fast. But how does a believer stay true? How does he stand when temptation comes? How does he not surrender or appeal to the trial, the temptation, the challenge? He must stay true by the help and the strength of our God and his word. Brethren, I don't know how much it's going to be hard from the pulpit of Calvary, but we have got to be people of the word. We've got to be people of the word. And, and, and not just people who know it. You've got to be a doer of the word. It's not enough to be a soldier who is skilled in the art of combat, who can practice all he wants, but when it gets time to do battle, boy, I, I, I don't We've got to be doers of the word. Our family always looks at 3 John 4. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. We are to be truth walkers, not just talkers, not just knowers, not just fill the heady knowledge of understanding what God's word says, but we've got to practice it. Doers of the word. Stay true. No matter what the situation Cheating? Lying? No. We are to be brave in the old language it says, quit ye like men. I like that. Quit ye like men. It's all masculine, but it simply means that we are to be like godly men. Courageous. Brave. When someone said, be like a man, it was expected what does that mean? It means to be brave, to be courageous, to stand like a man. And we've been told to be brave. A real man is considered to be courageous, not like a child, not afraid and running away at the slightest trouble. When you're standing on that wall, doing your duty as a soldier, you can't let the issues out there frighten you when you run away. You know you have a duty. You have a task. You have people. Who are counting on you. Be brave. 
A, show, a soldier must show courage in the face of danger and opposition. He is to behave himself in wisdom and courage as opposed to being a babe or a child in Christ. He must exhibit courage, the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty and danger and pain without fear. And you can do this because you know who you are and what's in store. You see, when a soldier stands up there, he understands. When I looked at this text, I said, but but why would a soldier be brave and stand up there and take the chance of getting himself killed? And then the Lord said, go back and see what Paul was talking about. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Paul says, on that same topic of perseverance, therefore, my beloved brethren, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil or your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Therefore, what is the therefore? Therefore. Why could I be like that? Why could I be brave and be steadfast and unmovable? Because he says in verse 50, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. This perishable must put on imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But, but, thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There Four. Oh, brothers, you can be steadfast. You can be brave. You can stand fast. Because we have a promise. We already have the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stand fast. Therefore, our victory comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. And our fourth Be strong. That be strong is not for us. That be strong is a different be strong. It doesn't say be strong. It says become strong. Be strengthened. The action is being done upon us. It's a Isn't a soldier supposed to be? No, no, no. As a soldier, this is not something you accomplish on your own. Without his strength, without his power, you will not succeed. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain to build it. Unless the Lord watch the city, watch in vain. The ability to stand, to do this task, 
is not something you can do on your own. Without the strength of the Lord, you're going to fail. This is the one verb, as I said, that's in the passive voice. The subject is being acted upon. The implication is that you will be given the spiritual strength to accomplish the task God gives. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You're going to be given the strength on the inside by God himself to accomplish the tasks that he has given you to do. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the who? Lord, and in the power of his might. That's how you can put on an armor, in his might, in his power. And John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do We were sitting down the other day doing a family devotions. And when we came across this devotion, I said, boy, honey, this is an excellent example of being strong. Let me read the story in a few minutes. You're so quiet, son. What's on your mind? Asked Ben's father as he stopped at Ben's room to pray with him. Ben sighed. I've just been wondering if I should be a missionary, he said. I'd like to, but what if I try and I'm no good at it? What if God calls me to do something I can't do? Ben's father thought for a moment, then reached over to Ben's desk and picked up a baseball glove. He walked to the corner of the, ba- of the room, propped the glove against the wall, found a baseball, and threw it at the glove. Though the ball hit the center of the glove, It rolled to the floor. Dad picked up the glove and looked at it in disgust. This glove is a total failure, he said. Ben laughed. Oh, Dad, you know it can't catch by itself. It has to have a hand inside. Dad smiled at Ben. You're just like this glove, he said. God has a purpose for your life. Ben, just as there is a purpose for this glove, Your hand inside the glove gives it guidance, strength, and power. See, don't worry, Ben. God will never prop you in a corner and leave you alone. It's his mighty hand that does the work when you are willing to be used. Not me. I, I can't do that on my own. I, I, I can't be strong. I, I, can't, I can't stand on that wall and do it in my own strength. I need the power of God in me to accomplish that task. He is our strength. And without him, we can do nothing. And finally, is to be done in love. Now, you don't think of love when you think of a soldier. But to be done in love, it must come to pass in love. In love, everything that is done is to be done in the context, the framework, the backdrop, the conditions 
of love. A soldier fights in the framework of love. Now guess what? Love is not another action or another task to go along with fighting. It's not something you do along with. Love is not the thing you do. It is the atmosphere that our action should be done in. Not with, in. We should do what we do in love. Let me give you another example. Another employee and I had a discussion about the topic of safety. And everyone talks about the issue of safety. You know, when you go out, you're doing your job, you must be safe. Do it safely. So you think of safety as an add-on, an addition to what you do. But safety is not an add-on. Safety is the environment, the context, the atmosphere that should permeate the work that you do. And in the same way, when we watch and we stand firm, when we be brave and be strong, we must do that in an atmosphere, in the context of love. In our church, at home, on the job, at our schools, with our spouses, it must be done. With our children, with our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ, everything we do with them, for them, everything is to be done in love. Calvary, everything that you do in this church for whoever it is must be done in the atmosphere and the conditions of love. That means when I say something to you, brother, then my attitude, the context of which I give you either a rebuke or a word of encouragement must be done with the attitude, the atmosphere, the context, the framework of love. There should be no selfishness. Whatever happens in the home, when I spank my children, I should be doing it in love. Because you know why? Whom the Lord loveth, he? That's why he chastens us. He loves us. And if you love the child, could you let him continue doing what he's doing, knowing the path it's going to lead him to? No, 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 no. Everything you do must be done in an atmosphere of love. When we discipline our children, it must be done in love. Love is like our actions dipped, battered, and deep fried. You know, you like that stuff, like fritters? When you think of, of that, that, that thing, dipped in love, battered and deep fried, every love permeates it, flows through it, is all around it, is all in it. Everything is done in love. First Corinthians 13, once again back to the same book. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, I could get up in the pulpit and expound on the word of God. I understand all the mysteries. I have all knowledge. I have all the faith. Man, I could move mountains. But if I come up here and share with you from God's word, out of the context, not in the context of love, it profiteth what? Nothing. Nothing. 
So no matter what I come up here to share, if I come up here, you know what, I, I, got, I, got, I got deal with Calvary. I, I believe the Lord wants me to, to hit them. No, 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 no. That's not the attitude. This is a privilege. This is an awesome responsibility. And one, we were just talking about it in our Sunday school class, holiness and how God treats it. Some fellas offered some strange fire. That was it. You don't play with our God. I think sometimes because he is so gracious, we take it for granted. Another verse the Lord has hammered on me this week. Hammered on me. Romans 2, 4. We look at God's kindness and God's long-suffering and God's mercifulness and we just take it for granted. He said, no, it's supposed to lead us to repentance. God has been good to us. We don't take advantage of it. We're supposed to be repentant because, wow, he gave me a break. He gave me a chance. He showed me mercy. and Father, forgive me. Love suffereth long in the context. Love is kind. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. It's not proud. And even when I do it, I shouldn't be doing You know what? I'm going to do this for you. <laughs> I wanted to see who I am and see what I do. So I'm going to make a, hey, brother, let me, let me give you this $100. Y'all can see what I'm doing? This is me over here. That's not love. That's not love. Love envieth not. Look what he got. Love it's not, it does not behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't think any evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. When we work in this church with one, when we interact with one another, we have to do it in an attitude of love. Kind, not proud, not arrogant. Believing, hoping, trusting, never failing. That's the context. When that soldier stands on the wall, he does it in love. Because he knows. He knows what he's standing for. You are a soldier. In conclusion, you are a soldier. Wherever you are, wherever you work, Wherever you are at this time, whatever condition or circumstance you're in, you are a soldier. You have been called to be a soldier. It is the command that has been placed on us. Sorry. We are soldiers. Period. So as soldiers, let's watch. Let's stand fast. Let's be brave. Let's be strong. We are Soldiers, And as we do what we've been called to do in the context, in the environment, in the situation, in the condition, in whatever the Lord has us placed in, let us do what we do in an atmosphere, in the context of love. This is what we've been called to do. Just recently, we've been called. Lately, Our commander-in-chief, 
has called home a few of our soldiers. He's taken them off the battlefield. The question to us is when that soldier leaves his post, who is going to take his place? Who is going to stand on that wall? Who is going to be the one to watch, stand fast in the faith? Be brave, be strong, and do it in love. Who? You and I have been called to take our place and to take it now in Jesus' name. Amen.